Hey everyone, this is Tim Harris. I'm the pastor of Woodburn Baptist Church and this is our weekly podcast. Hope it encourages you. Hope it makes you want to be closer to Jesus and more like him. Hope you enjoy this sermon. And if you want to know more about us, find us online at woodburnbaptist.org. Yeah, we're fixing to talk about Bruno, y'all. Open your Bibles to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 16, probably a verse you know. It's, uh, there's one verse that says everything about the gospel. It's in John chapter 3, verse 16. John chapter 3, verse 16 says in the New Living Translation, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The King James Version, which I learned as a kid, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, and I love that word, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever. Let's talk about Bruno Uh, I am using, of course, pop songs through this whole message series. We're talking about evangelism, as I explained, and trying to listen to the world, listen to what the world says about lostness, listen for the way they communicate what it is to be outside of Christ. They don't always know that they're outside of Christ, but we know. And so in listening to them, we look for open doors for the gospel. So this is the most popular song of any song I could bring in this series Truthfully, um, it's the biggest song from Disney ever, ever, and Disney's had some pretty big songs. I think prior to, uh, we don't talk about Bruno, it was uh, Can You Feel the Love Tonight with Lion King or something like that from way back in the day. Um, Let It Go from Frozen was pretty big, but we don't talk about Bruno got to the number one spot on the Billboard Top 100 and stayed there for weeks. This is one of the top songs in the country, uh, and it is a kid's song. It's from a kid's movie, but by now, again, it took over TikTok. I mean, the whole world has been singing this song. Just so out of interest, interest how many of you had never heard it till today? <laughs> yeah, y'all are great. Yeah, I understand. How many of you have heard this song way more than you wish you ever could have to hear it again? Yeah. If you've got kids or grandkids, they've had this song probably on repeat at least since January. We don't talk about Bruno. So let's talk about it. Let's think about this song. Let's think about the message of this song, what it says about lostness, and how it may open a door for the gospel. So the movie's called Encanto. It's, uh, it, it's, it became a very big movie for Disney. It was the movie that came out at the tail end of the pandemic. And so for that reason, it had the advantage of being able to be in theaters, but also on Disney+. Plus. It was streaming. So the people who saw it had the chance to see it again and again and again, and it, it caught a lot of word of mouth, especially this particular song. This song became quite big on TikTok and, and other social media. So again, this song and the soundtrack itself kind of propelled the movie to a, a certain kind of, of, of popularity. The movie's about a family called the Madrigals. It's interesting in Disney movies because Disney movies often start with a family, but the adventure doesn't start until the hero or the heroine leaves the family. You know, for example, 
Bambi can't have an adventure until, you know, Bambi's mother is killed in the, you know, first five minutes, which is horrible. Um, but that's kind of typical of a Disney movie. You've got to somehow get the person outside the safety of the family. So this is one of the first Disney movies that doesn't follow that pattern. Instead of Mirabelle, who's the main character, instead of Mirabelle leaving the family for the adventure, her adventure is actually taking her deeper and deeper into her family, which is really kind of fascinating. Her family's amazing. The Madrigals live in their uh, uh, amazing house, their casita, uh, in the middle of an encanto, an enchanted village. Each member of the family is gifted with some sort of miraculous power. So for example, Julieta is able to cook food that has healing power, right? Uh, Camilo, who's my favorite, he can shapeshift, which means he can become anything or anybody, and, and I love that for him. Uh, Dolores has magical hearing. She can hear a pin drop from miles and miles and miles away. Uh, Antonio can talk to animals. Uh, Bruno has the ability to see visions of the future, but we don't talk about him. Uh, Mirabelle is the, again, the main character of the story. She's the only member of the family with no gift, no extraordinary power. She is just an ordinary girl. And it becomes Mirabelle, the ordinary member of the extraordinary family, who first sees that the magic of the family is dying. She's the first one to go out and find Bruno. And uh, Mirabelle is ultimately the one who uh, is able to restore and save her family. So uh, that's the movie in a nutshell. Bruno uh, needs to be talked about. This song is interesting because it's so popular, but also because saying we don't talk about Bruno, but actually we are talking about Bruno in the song, and that's kind of the point. The song is, is gossipy, you know what I mean? And so if you're wondering why it becomes popular, we all love gossip. We love to gossip. Gossip is delicious, as the Bible says. And so this gossipy song kind of grabs us. We're talking about Bruno, but not to Bruno and, and that's kind of key. Um, Bruno is the outcast, member of the family. He's the family weirdo. Uh, Bruno is the one who gets blamed for everything that's happened bad in the family. Bruno is the one that ultimately can no longer be in the family, so they just simply put him out. They erase him. They forget about him. They unfriend him. They unfollow him. Bruno is gone uh, from the family in all practical ways. We don't talk about Bruno, you know. And so that's the uh, setup for the song there. In the song, as I said, it's gossipy. You go from one person to another, and everybody has their own story to tell about Bruno. But every story they tell only manages to make Bruno be cast in the most negative light possible. So it's always some terrible, sinister story about, about Bruno. Why is this so popular for us? Well, because what happens in that song is what happens in our lives all over the place, especially as you start out in school, uh, in the elementary school cafeteria, uh, middle school cafeteria. The mealtime at school is always a big deal. Why is that? It's not really about the food, although the food is, you know, cafeteria food. Uh, but the drama in the cafeteria always comes down to where people sit and with whom. You know, as well as I know, that that becomes very, very important. You have to be at the right table 
or you have to be with the right people. Nobody wants to be seen sitting at the table with the nerds. Nobody wants to be seen sitting at the table with the geeks, with the freaks. You know, you want to somehow respect the social hierarchy. And we learned this without even being taught. We just know that there are certain people who sort of always get the attention, always get the praise, the, the pretty ones, the smart ones, the talented ones, whatever. There are always those on top and always the rest of us trying to make sure we don't get left out. We don't get put to the bottom like Bruno. So in our lives, we're very, very aware of this dynamic. And honestly, I guess I would say it this way. The best way to feel like an insider is to make someone else an outsider. So this is the game that we play. The, the surest way to make sure you don't get made fun of is just to see to it that everybody's making fun of somebody else. So we don't necessarily feel proud of the way we've treated Bruno, but at the same time, it's better him than me. And so for that reason, we typically just let it happen. If there's an outsider, if there's an outcast, if there's somebody else that everybody's calling booger breath and you know, let's be in the I Hate Tim Club, that sort of thing, we're fine with that. As long as it's not us, just don't let me be Bruno. Just don't let me be the one that is somehow always, always left out. It's, it's just the surest way to feel like an insider. It's a, the quickest way to bring a group together, right? If you can find an enemy, if you can find somebody that this whole group can, can all hate. It's just how it works in every schoolroom cafeteria, like I said. It's how it works in politics, our politicians use this against us all the time. If they can get us to identify a group and turn against that group, that'll bring us together. So they'll just pick out a group. It'll be the illegal aliens today or the MAGA Republicans tomorrow. And somehow if we can find a group and everybody turn against them, if we can blame them for our problems, you see, brings us together. It makes us all insiders, but we always need an outsider so that we can feel like the insiders, Right? kind of the way the world works, and that's the way the song works, and that's how Bruno ends up on the outside of the family. He is the family uh, throwaway. I say it's how the world works, and that's true. I know that some of you I don't even have to tell because you have lived that from the other side. You've been Bruno. You know what I mean? Maybe you were the family weirdo. Maybe you were the person in the family that no matter how hard you tried, you couldn't please anybody. You're in this whole crazy family, and they can't agree on anything except somehow they all agreed that you're the problem. You know? It's, it, the world's just full of Brunos. The, the people who cannot get accepted, cannot be welcomed, somehow, no matter what they do, they will never, ever win the people over. You, you know? Because that's how we are. Some of us uh, are still doing that. It's not necessarily that that ends after you quit watching Disney movies or graduate from school. Churches work this way too. Most every friendship circle works this way. Wherever you find people, you find this very dynamic. There's always this desire, this, this uh, instinct to draw a line and put somebody outside of it. Some of you, it's the way you sort of live your life. You're always blaming somebody for your trouble. You know, so right now in your marriage, you're just telling yourself, if I could just get rid of my spouse, if, if I didn't have her, then my problems would be gone. Like you just blame her for all your trouble as if, you know, somehow 
you know, that's even possible. But that's how people think. That's how some people are. You just need somebody else to blame, somebody else to throw away, and you think if you can somehow get rid of that person, your problems are, are, are gone. And, and honestly, this is where this song gets interesting for me because it shows us something about the world, and it shows us kind of, like I say, there's an open door for the gospel here. The world thinks it's got a Bruno problem, but Bruno's not the problem. In the same way that I say, you know, you're thinking you got a wife problem, but I'm telling you, your wife is not your problem. You, you think that you got, you know, you're a classroom teacher and you got that one problem kid. And if you could get rid of that problem kid, your classroom would be a room full of angels. And I'm telling you, it, the world doesn't really work that way, although people think that it does. You think you got a Bruno problem, but Bruno's not the problem. Sin is the problem. Sin is always the problem. And so even in this situation, you think, Pastor Tim, that's not sin. That's just how the world is. That's just social dynamics. I'm telling you, no, it's sin. Sin is the problem because sin, by its very definition, is always a failure to love. Understand what I'm saying? It's a failure to love. Remember that Jesus, when questioned, said that the greatest commandment of all was what? Love. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and you should love your neighbors yourself. And then Jesus went on to say, all of the other commandments are wrapped up in that one, which is to say, if, if you could live a life of perfect love, you wouldn't sin because sin is always a failure to love. Go through the Ten Commandments. You know, thou shalt not steal. Well, stealing is, of course, a failure to love. Thou shalt not kill. Duh, that is a failure to love. Commit adultery. You should honor your parents. Understand, there's no way to sin without somehow experiencing this failure to love. Sin is always the problem. And sin is the problem in this world that we live in. And so when you see the way relationships break down, when you see how families break down, when you see how a family has one person that nobody talks about, the black sheep of the family that's outside forever, understand, it's not a family problem. It is always a sin problem. All of our problems deep down are spiritual problems. They are sin problems. And, and, and that's why we have an open door for the gospel in, in, in nearly any place because the world is full of sinners and sin is always, always, always a problem. See, here's the thing. The world doesn't know love because the world doesn't know God. I said this a couple of weeks ago reading First John, right? Let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. That's what we were reading a couple of weeks ago. So understand, the world doesn't know love because the world doesn't know God. So this song itself is just singing about that, singing about the simple way that we don't love each other very well. We really don't know what it is to love with, with a wide open heart. We always have conditions. We always have lines to draw. We've always got our limits to love. The world doesn't know love at all. And somebody's gonna say, Pastor Tim, what are you talking about? Of course the world knows love. Every other song on Spotify is a love song. And people are in love all the time. People love and go out on dates and buy flowers and people get married. And I mean, people love each other. They love their family. People love their children. People love their cat. I don't understand that, but people love cats. People love all kinds of things. And of course, people love, but, but no, understand, there's a kind of love that the world knows. There's a kind of love that the world knows, but it's always first self-serving. 
What do I mean by that? What is self-serving? Yeah, I'm going to love you as long as loving you does something for me. So I'm going to love you as long as one way or the other this suits me. But if loving you becomes inconvenient for me, then I can move on. Love is always self-serving. I'm in it for me. It's got to feel good for me. It's got to be easy for me. It's going to be about me. So the way the world loves is always self-serving. It's always conditional. What's that mean? There's a string attached. You know, in other words, I will love you if you will make yourself always sexually available to me. I will love you if you, you always do the things that my daddy always did. I will love you if you don't get on my nerves. You, you know, there's always a condition. And if you fail to meet the conditions, understand the world's love is always revocable. In other words, I can cut you off. I can love you. I can also unlove you. I can unfriend you, I can unfollow you, I can cancel you, I can act like you're dead to me. I mean, this is just the way the world works. I know what I'm talking about. It's, it's most relationships you've ever known. It's most of the people you ever know. And sadly, even among the people of God, we're so sort of taken over with this world's kind of love that's really not love at all, it's something else. Because real love is revealed to us in God, and God's love is a love of another kind. God's love is first self-giving. It's not self-serving, it's self-giving. It's the opposite. In other words, as the word says, this is how God showed his love to the world. He gave his one and only son. See, love gives. Love's not in it to receive. Love gives. Love lays its life down. Jesus says nobody has greater love than to lay down their life for their friends. Love's always about giving. Love's always about sacrifice. It is not selfish. It is self-giving. The love of God is self-giving. It's also unconditional. That means there's no strings attached. God doesn't love you if you are a nice person or if, you know, you don't get divorced, or if you go to church, if you get baptized in the right tub. No, 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 there's no if when it comes to God's love. God loves you. God loves you. And there's not a thing you can do to make him love you more. So what if I go to church all the time? I'm telling you, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. He loves you. He loves you. And there's nothing you can do to make him love you less. Oh, Pastor, what if I kill somebody? You cannot sin in any way that will make God cancel his love for you. You cannot, you cannot love, uh, you cannot sin in a way that's going to in any way cancel his love. You understand? You cannot make him love you less. You cannot make him love you more. God's love is completely unconditional and it's eternal. It's never going to fade. It's never going to fizzle. It, it, it's never going to run out. God will never stop loving you, never, never. He loved you before you were born. He'll love you after you're gone. He loves you for eternity. I have loved you with an everlasting love, the scripture says. Understand, God's love is self-giving. God's love is unconditional. God's love is eternal. It's nothing like the world's kind of love. And so somebody's gonna say, well, how do you know? You've never seen God, and you're right, I've never seen God, but I've seen Jesus. And Jesus is how we know God's love. Jesus reveals the love of the Father to us. So if you want to know about God, you look at Jesus. If you want to know what God is like, then you want to just pay attention to what Jesus is like. Jesus was God in the flesh. 
So exactly how did Jesus reveal the love of the Father? What did Jesus do when he was on earth? How did he deal with people? Well, he loved them. People say, Pastor Tim, I don't know about Jesus. I don't know if I believe all that, you know, that, that Christianity says, but I, I believe he was probably a good teacher. Well, he was a good teacher. There's no question about that. He's, he was the truth in, in, embodied. But at the same time, um, his teaching was remarkable, but that's really not what got people's attention. It, it was the way he loved. World had never seen love. Like Jesus' love. It was his love that got him noticed. It was his love that got him killed. It was Jesus' love that made him stand out from the world. The religious crowd couldn't stand him because of the way he loved. I mean, the religious people would say, that idiot will eat with anybody because he did. He was always at somebody's party, always at somebody's table, and he would just eat with anybody. They would say, does he not know that, that he's eating with a sinner? Does he not know he's eating with a skanky woman? Does he not know he's eating with tax collectors? And that's the point. Of course he knew. Jesus loves, just loves, and he loves everybody. I think the word is whosoever, right? Whosoever believes, whosoever comes to him. Jesus isn't going to turn anybody away. Jesus loves everybody the same. Not only that, understand, Jesus loves all the easiest people for you to hate. Jesus loves them. So Jesus steps out into the world with just this, this whosoever kind of love. He loved lepers. In a leper's day, back in Jesus' time, if a, leper, if a person suddenly came across any, any kind of skin disease, people were terrified of it. Nobody understood it. There was no treatment. And they knew how contagious those sort of skin diseases were. So very, very typically, if a person came down with leprosy, they had your funeral. Like, you're not dead yet but you're dead to them. They literally had your funeral and sent you away. Your family, your mama, your wife, your children, everybody would tell you goodbye and you're gone. You're out of life, out of society. You cannot return. If you happen to be walking around and somebody gets close to you, you're obligated to scream unclean, unclean so that they can keep their social distance. Nobody wants to be close to you. You're a leper. Nobody loved lepers. People acted like lepers were dead. Understand, they wanted nothing to do with them. Jesus loved lepers. Jesus would heal the lepers. He could have healed them any way he wanted. Now, if I were healing a leper, I guarantee you, I would say, no, 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 you just stand over there. I'll heal you from here. You know, I would heal you, you know, with one of those KN95 masks on, and I, you know, and I would not be getting close, but I would heal you, you know. No, Jesus would come right to them, and the lepers would come right up to Jesus, and Jesus would touch them touched them. He didn't have to touch them. He touched them. Jesus showed kindness and respect to women. I know it sounds like unremarkable in our day, but in Jesus' day it was remarkable. Do you understand that the Jewish men had a prayer that they started out every day? Like, like you know, they, they, they get their Pop-Tarts out, put them in the toaster, pour a cup of coffee, and then they say their morning prayer. And what was their morning prayer? It began like this. God, I thank you that you did not make me a Gentile. And I thank you that you did not make me a woman. I'm not making that up. That was the morning prayer. Thank you that you didn't make me a Gentile. Thank you that you didn't make me a woman. Man, Jesus stepped out in the world and he was kind to women. One day he was teaching and Mary was at his feet. Man, nobody let women you know, sit in on the teaching. Nobody educated women. Martha comes out and said, would you tell Mary to get back in the kitchen where the women belong? And Jesus said, no, you leave her alone. You know, he defended her right to sit right there. 
Jesus was different. Understand, it's, it's all the Brunos of the world. Jesus was their champion. I mean, was Zacchaeus, you know, up in the sycamore tree, man, he was Bruno. You know, the man at the pool of Bethesda, man, he was Bruno. Nobody wanted to be clear. The blind man, the, the naked man who lived among the tombs. These were all the Brunos of the world. And Jesus was determined to get to them to show them his love. I mean, I mean, how do you demonstrate that you love everybody? I mean, the way to do that is you just go and you show that you can love the ones that nobody else loves. And that's what Jesus did. It was a whosoever kind of love. You know, it's hard for us even as believers, to have that kind of heart that just loves everybody, loves whosoever. It's easier. Like at the beginning of the movie in Canto, you think, oh, this is a beautiful family. They have so much love. They have so much unity. And that's only possible as long as they don't talk about Bruno, you know? Our church, you know, we advertise that we're a church that loves and welcomes everyone. And, and I believe we are. I want us to be. I know you want to be. But it's easier to think of ourselves in those terms as long as there's certain people we don't ever talk about. Like all of our Bosnian neighbors, we have a majority Bosnian neighborhood within five miles of our church, and, and none of them have ever stepped foot in this church. You ever wonder why? And we say we love and welcome everybody, but saying it and making people feel that are two different things. I talked to a family two weeks ago. So invite them to church. Why don't you come to church? They said, no, we can't come to church. I said, why, why do you think you can't come to church? They said, we have a special needs son. He can't be quiet. He can't sit still. He would disrupt your service. People wouldn't like that. We can't come to your church. It breaks my heart that they think we can't love a kid that makes noise. They think we can't love a kid that makes noise. These empty seats, you know what I'm saying? These are empty seats that belong to all the people that one way or the other, they're not here because whether we like it or not, they don't feel like we want them here. So it's easy to say we love and welcome everybody as long as we don't talk about the, those people. But Jesus loves those people. All the people that we find easiest to ignore, all the people that we've already written off, all the people we think they wouldn't be interested in our church, all the people that we think we can disregard they are loved with an unconditional, sacrificial, eternal love by Jesus. I, I really want our church to, to capture that sense of, of the gospel that is for whosoever. At the same time, anybody in this house right now, and you're listening, and, and, and you've been Bruno, and you, you are the outsider, you know what it is to, to be the sissy that nobody ever wanted to be with, to be the fat, the fat kid. You know what it is to be... Uh, the throwaway person, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. That the love that your heart seeks is not in the world, and that's why people have always disappointed you, but Jesus will never disappoint you. This is how God shows his love for the world. He gave his one and only son so that whosoever believes in him, who, whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Honestly, though, um, it's a song that's been popular in our culture, and I've been taking pop songs from the culture, right, and talking about the gospel. In our pop culture, 
it ain't Bruno we can't talk about, y'all. It's Jesus, to be honest. Jesus is the one that nobody wants to talk about. Jesus is the one that we're not supposed to talk about out there. And I said last week that non-believers are often open to a private conversation about faith matters, and they are, but nobody wants you to go out there and talk about Jesus in public. You don't just stand up and say his name. The world is, 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 is allergic to talking about Jesus in public. So if you want to talk about the one that nobody's talking about, his name is Jesus. And it's getting harder and harder. It's becoming less and less welcome for you and me to go out into the world in a public way and and talk about Jesus. They want us to quit talking about him. And honestly, for some of you, it's not any trouble because you don't talk about Jesus. But when Jesus was in Jerusalem on that day and the disciples were all praising him and the children were praising him and the leaders came up and said, Jesus, you tell them to stop. You tell them to be silent. What did Jesus say? He said, I I, I could tell them to be silent, but if these people were silent, the rocks would cry out. In other words, Jesus is going to be praised whether we praise him or not. Even if we don't praise him, if if no mouth in this house praises him, you can walk outside and every leaf on every tree is going to whisper his name because you can deny Jesus. You can try to turn away from him, but you will not do away with him. He isn't going anywhere. I mean, the scripture promises that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You're not going to escape that. Your knee will bow. Your tongue will confess. I'm telling you, you can try to do away with Jesus, but he's not going anywhere. His name is above, uh, above every other name. He is the eternal Savior. I'm telling you, the gospel is the only meaning and purpose there is in the world. It, it is not just the story that we're supposed to tell. It is the story that is knit into the very fabric of all of creation. You're not going to do away with this story. So you're thinking, Pastor Tim, you, you're trying to make Disney movie a gospel movie. It's in Canto. It's, it's, it's a kid's movie. It's stupid. It's magic and dancing and, you know, rats can dance and sing. And they do in the movie. I know Disney doesn't want to put out a gospel movie, and, and they didn't do it with Encanto. They have no intention of doing that. As I say, the, the world doesn't want Jesus. They don't want to talk about Jesus. They don't want us to talk about Jesus, but... But they're not going to get away from him. And in the strangest way possible, if if you pay attention, which I'm asking you to do, everything around us still whispers his name. And so even in a movie like Encanto, where nobody intended to tell you the story of Jesus, I get real interested in Bruno. He was the prophet. In the family, his gift is prophecy. He's the one that has the visions of the future. He's the prophet, which makes Bruno the prophet without honor in his town and in his family. Does that sound familiar? In the movie, Bruno is the one that nobody talks about, nobody likes him, nobody wants him around. But if something bad happens, they're going to blame him. Always going to blame him. He's the scapegoat, and he is to blame for every bad thing that ever happens. I'm telling you, when I walk out into the world and try to tell people about Jesus, that's what they hit me with all the time. 
In my own community, in the last few days, I've had somebody say, Pastor Tim, how can you talk about a God of love when children are starving and people are dying all the time? Isn't that what they say? How can God be a loving God? There's cancer, you know? And they're going to blame him. They don't have anything to say about God until they got something bad happening, and then God gets all the blame. Jesus gets all the blame. So they want me to stop talking about Jesus because they blame him for everything bad that ever happened, and that's kind of like the reason they didn't want to talk about Bruno, right? Every bad thing that happened got blamed on him. So Bruno is the one who is despised and rejected, the one from whom everybody turns away. And when they all turn away from Bruno, where does he go? Nowhere. He doesn't go away. They think he went away, but where did he go? He lives in the walls of the house. He's right there the whole time. They think he's gone. They think they got rid of him, but he didn't go anywhere. He stays right there. And while nobody in that family loved him, he never stopped loving them. So this whole time, what's Bruno doing? Bruno is behind the scenes and he's watching the house crumble and Bruno is constantly patching all the cracks. It is Bruno who is mending everything that is broken the whole time. Does that sound familiar? I'm not saying Bruno's supposed to be Jesus in the movie. I know that he's not. I'm just saying to try as the world may to erase Jesus, not to talk about Jesus, I just think they're going to tell that story one way or the other. Because every human heart longs for that story. Every human heart wants the love that comes from Jesus and only Jesus. You may not say his name. You may wish other people didn't talk about him, but you're not going to erase Jesus. A gospel story that sometimes you can't be bothered to tell, I'm telling you it is knit into the fabric of everything that is, and you're never, ever going to erase that story. It is going to be proclaimed. Jesus will be praised. So when you think about a, the one that nobody wants to talk about, I just remind you in life, it's Jesus that nobody wants to talk about. And it's Jesus that they don't want us to talk about. But we must we must talk about Jesus. We must not stop talking about Jesus. Pray with me.